The Bitcoin halving of 2020 has come and gone, and perhaps now we're beginning to see the effects of the difficulty adjustment as the price of Bitcoin increases. Prior to the event, we spoke with CPA Matt D'Souza to discuss what might happen next. We talked about mining gear and why this is just one more step towards Bitcoin becoming true digital gold. So grab your pick and shovel. Even though it won't do you any good where Bitcoin mining is concerned, let's face it, you look kind of badass holding them. Welcome to episode number 430 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? Let's go. You wanna talk about crypto, even blockchain. This here is the future, changing up the game. I got what you need, tell me if you wanna roll. It's the bad crypto, hosted by Travis and Joel, yeah. Time to get it live, we up in the mix. And I got a shout out to the crypto chicks. This is what you need, even better than the news. John McAfee and Charlie Lee, they have interviewed, yeah. The best crypto show in the world. Shout out to Brockwell, the Bitcoin girl. Talk about the future, but still up in the moment. If it ain't the bad crypto, we don't want it. Hey, bad crypto, you know what I mean. Some days are red, other days are green. You gotta hold on, you don't know. It's bad crypto with Travis and Joel. Yeah, bad crypto, let's go. What in the. What? <laughs> Travis. Dude. What? What? <laughs> This is episode 430, not 420. Oh, four, wait, we already did 420? We already did 420. Did you forget? Oh, man. You space that out. Well, welcome to episode 430. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 420, only 10 better. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Glad you guys are here. Got a really interesting interview today because as we spoke with Matt D'Souza before the having happened, uh, you know, he had some predictions and ideas of what would take place next. And we've had so many great interviews and people on the show. We just haven't had uh, space to put all the interviews out there. And so uh, this one is kind of like you can look back and see, all right, are the things we talked about? Is this how it's playing out? As we see Bitcoin right now inching up towards $10,000 once again. Mm. Well, you know, a lot of folks will talk, you know, on some of the message groups that we have and they say, hey, how can we don't talk more about mining? We need to hear more about mining. And so this one here has a lot of relevant information about what's going on in the Bitcoin mining industry, uh, talking about what's going on with some of the new technologies that are popping up and uh, Bitcoin mining fund. And so this right here is is very interesting. It, it's, it's slightly dated, but only because it happened before the halving. I mean, all the inf information about mining is still very... We're slightly dated. I mean, I'm super dated. I'm sedated. After that bong hit, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Travis, before we get to the interview, I just want to say those of you waiting on your eToro confirmations to get your $50 in free Bitcoin, I sent them to a bunch of you yesterday, working the burning the midnight oil, making sure that you get exactly what we promised you. If you haven't yet signed up to get your $50 in free Bitcoin from the Bad Crypto Podcast, if you're a U.S. citizen, go to badco.in forward slash eToro. Follow the simple, easy 
super easy instructions and find out how to get that $50 from us because nothing would please me more than to send you $50 in free Bitcoinery. I mean, what's taking you so long? I mean, let's just pause the show right now. Go to badco.in forward slash eToro and get it rolling. But only if you're an American because it doesn't work in the other countries. That's the deal right now. And do it and then come back and we'll get to the feature interview. And uh, yeah. You know, we don't go down the technical side of crypto all too much. We talk about mining from time to time, but, you know, Travis, that's not, you know, apart from you mining your 50 Bitcoin that you lost all those years ago, it's not something that we are proficient in by any respect. Well, we do have a bad coin mining, uh, you know, protocol that's been created, but we didn't create it. Right. So we had had a team that created that thing. So when it comes to mining, I would say that we are far from experts. I would say we are far from novice. <laughs> and far from sanity. But fortunately, we have somebody here who does know a bit more about it. His name is Matt D'Souza. He's the CEO of Blockware Solutions. He's a, he is in this mining industry. Uh, Blockware Solutions is a leading service provider for Bitcoin mining and one of the largest distributors of ASIC 39s to the U.S. market. I don't know the difference between ASIC 39, a 38, and a 40. We'll find out. He hosts a top 18 Bitcoin pool that's accessible to the public. Does a lot of other stuff, too, rather than the huge long bio. Matt, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thanks, guys. Really happy to join you. Um, been a fan of the podcast for several years, so... Um, you know, really, really looking forward to discussing mining, um, the post having event and what's going on in Bitcoin. I was a fan of the show for like the first few months and then I stopped being a fan, but now I'm a fan again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for several years. Yeah, get off our damn lawn. Yeah. <laughs> several years now, my God. You're, you have been around the space for a while, and so maybe kind of just give us a little bit more background when you went down the blockchain rabbit hole and your fascination with Bitcoin, what that led to, and what you're you know doing now. You know, I think my perspective is actually quite unique. Um, I was introduced to blockchain more from the Ethereum side back in 2014. Um, my college roommate, he was, uh, he was looking into Ethereum. Uh, he worked for Consensus, and and then in 2017, I launched a digital currency hedge fund called Blockchain Opportunity Fund, which we still run, um, and that was launched as an Ethereum and ICO fund. Uh, we understood that there would be liquidity issues, and we also didn't see really investment grade opportunities. Um, so, you know, after about six months, we launched quarter three 2017. And after six months, we really stopped deploying the project because, you know, it, it just the fundamentals and opportunities weren't there. Um, and 20 in. Uh, so we've we've stayed liquid and we've actually had a pivot uh, in 2018. We were far more bullish on Bitcoin. And um, and that's really driven by when we launched Blockware Solutions um, late 2017. Uh, that was that that business is uh predominantly focused on Bitcoin mining. Um, we've grown to become the largest, one of the largest distributors of ASICs to the US. And what that does is it allows us to see this ecosystem from the weeds and how strong it is, the capital that's getting deployed, um, the true decentralization around the world. Um, 
And those network effects, that's the strongest in, in, in blockchain. Um, miners in probably 50 to 70 plus countries all participating and, and running mining rigs. And if you want to shut down the network, someone's got to go around the whole world and try and shut off these miners. Think about the value of that. Um, and, and miners are, are uh, they're investing hundreds of millions, um, if not billion, they're, they're, they're investing billions per month into mining between the electricity bills and the infrastructure that is happening. So it, it's, it's the strongest network in the blockchain space. Let me ask you this, Matt. So, you know, a lot of people are aware of the fact that, you know, there's uh, maybe four really huge mining pools with Bitcoin. And, you know, those are the ones that seem to, to, to get the majority of the blocks. I know there's, a, there's additional mining pools out there as well. You know, some people would say that Bitcoin is becoming too centralized around some of these huge mining pools. What, what would you say to that? That's a great question and something that needs to be clarified. That is not centralization because to you could all the what's important is that the miners, the hash is uh, is decentralized. So even though they're on a pool, it's tens of thousands of miners on that pool. And, and to switch to a different pool is as, is as simple as flipping a light switch. Mm. You just, you, you could just change. So, so it's, it's a pool and it's an aggregation of tens of thousands of miners and, and they could join different pools if a pool elected to be malicious. So it's something that doesn't concern me at all. Um, it, it just, it just gives uh, economies a scale and it gives the miners that are participating in these pools um, better likelihoods of mining blocks or lower fees. And that's really it. These pools are, are just aggregating hash power among, uh, you know, thousands of miners. Um, if, if there was three or four large data centers can, um, or large miners can, um, that are producing all the hash, that would be centralization. But the fact that even, even, you know, there's a narrative out there that 65% of mining is occurring in China. Well, that's a fact, but but that's split up between thousands of miners, right? They're separate entities. Um, some some are large. That's that's accurate, but it's it's separate entities, so it's still decentralized, and that's what I believe is critical. That's good. We appreciate that perspective. So you know, as we're talking about mining, we've just come through the having right? The difficulty adjustment has happened. Is Are things responding? Is the market responding as you thought it would? You know, kind of project for us um, what trends you're seeing and where this is going. Yeah. So surprisingly, it's, um, it is responding exactly how uh, we thought. Usually you put out analyses, you put stuff on paper, and you're prepared to kind of have some pie in your face. Um, but we were expecting about 30% uh, hash rate drop-offs, and we've hit that. We've hit about 25%. From, from high to low, we've, we've probably hit about 30 32% in the hash rate dropping off. Explain um, what that means practically to people. Yeah, and, and where are they going? Does the hashes yeah. disappear, or are they going to other coins? So, so what's going on is we've, we've begun this hardware upgrade cycle about nine months ago. So there's, there's a lot of 
old technology, old mining rigs where that came out in 2016, 2017, and they've been running for four years. They're inefficient, they're old, um, and going in, you know, going into the having about 25% of the network was this old technology. And then there was mid-generation mid mining rigs, um, and they've become unprofitable as well. So as a result of the having, um, you know, revenue has been cut in half. So miners who are running those rigs, their margins are now negative. So they have to turn off their rigs because that's what's best for them. You don't want to mine at a loss. So miners who are running inefficient mining rigs, old mining rigs, they're shutting off their mining rigs. Um, and that is decreasing the overall network hash. Um, so that's what we mean by the overall network hash has decreased about 25%. Um, and that's what part of our expectation was several months ago and what we put out in a, in a research report, the Having 2020 uh, research report by Blockware Solutions. Um, so that has played out. And what that, what's important about that is, you know, there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that gets released every 10 minutes when the blocks are, are, uh, are, are mined. And as miners fall off the network, that Bitcoin still gets released. It's, it's the same pie. And now it's getting distributed to the miners that stick around. So their margins improve. It's, it's this healthy cleanse and it allows efficient miners to stay on the network and continue securing the network. Um, if otherwise, otherwise miners wouldn't be profitable enough. So when the inefficient miners get knocked off, the Bitcoin they were earning starts getting allocated to efficient miners and those efficient miners don't have to sell that Bitcoin to cover their costs. And what that does is it reduces sell pressure on the network because less miners are selling Bitcoin. It's, it's extremely healthy for the network, right? Less selling, very good. Think about, think about like equity markets, traditional equity markets. Um, when more stock gets into the hands of institutions that have time horizons of two to five years, you're reducing supply. Um, and, and a similar effect is happening when you get more Bitcoin going into the hands of the really efficient miners that have been around for five years, um, who have stronger hands and can hold because um, you're, you're inherently removing supply of Bitcoin from the network because they're positioned to hold. You're muted there, bud. So we've just had the having, and what the, the reward is cut in half. And now you said that 30, 25, 30% of the hash power is left. Now, what does that do to it's the knocked off? 75% is left. 75% is left. Yeah, 25% of them are knocked off or whatever. What does that do to the difficulty of the blocks being mined uh, upcoming? Because it would seem to me it's like, you know, and then and then maybe what happens when uh, that's another question for later answer this one first and then then i'll have that other one later yeah so it's not it's not a one-to-one -one where um you know 25 or 30 percent of the hash rate falls off so difficulty adjusts by 25 percent. that's not how it works how it works is what is the time it takes to to mine a block, right? It's the, the way the protocol is set up is it should take 10 minutes to mine a block. If it starts taking 11 minutes to mine a block, then difficulty is gonna adjust 10% because it's taking one minute longer. 
So mm -hmm. one minute on 10, one minute on 10 minutes is 10%. So if we're, if we're taking 11 minutes to mine a block, um, difficulty will adjust. It adjusts, it's, it's set it's up. To adjust. Yeah. Every, every 2016 blocks, which equates to about 14 days off 10 minutes, um, mm -hmm. Bitcoin is big, uh, Bitcoin will adjust. Difficulty will adjust. Because we noticed whenever the, the halving happened, the first block after the half, the halving was like 40 minutes. Exactly. So it slows down when you get when you get um, the hash rate dropping, there's less hash out there. So blocks are going to take longer uh, to get mined. Right. Miners are going to take longer to to mine the blocks. Um, and as that adjusts away from 10 minutes, difficulty will have to adjust once we get through that interval. Probably should have had Matt on episode number five or something, Travis, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're we're definitely not experts and we're still learning how all of this works. You know, well, for also for our listeners to understand, too, you know, so some of the stuff we know, but it's like it's good to get another expert on here to share to kind of, you know, repetition is the mother of skill. And uh, our audience likes to hear this stuff. Who's the father? I don't know. It's not repetition. <laughs> Stupid I don't know. All right. Uh, you had a follow-up to that, Travis, so go ahead and, and hit them with it. Well, the, I guess the question would have been around, you know, so here we are now. What, what happens when, you know, we get to the point, what if Bitcoin price does not rise over time like it needs to when, when we hit this next halving and it's going to three Bitcoin per, you know, block and it ends up maybe not become because we're, we're people are talking oh and by the time of the next block it's going to be five hundred thousand dollars of bitcoin like what if it's not like what ha what happens because these machines are getting more and more expensive the the electricity is more and more costly and the hash you know it, it maybe doesn't doesn't rise and the difficulty increases like like what ends up happening whenever the reward becomes so much less is it is it going to be valid because you're already having people dropping off now 25 percent of people dropping off what happens when the reward gets cut in half even further and then cut in half again down the road so that'll happen in four years um and and what we need to there's two pieces towards evaluating there's really two sides to the market right the supply side and the demand side um and that all goes into the equation what we've been discussing is just the supply side the Bitcoin getting released, what's happening with the miners, how they um, sell that onto the onto the market. Um, they're really the supply side. They're the suppliers. You think that Bitcoin is a commodity. It's a commodity in its infancy, but it's a commodity, just like gold or not just like, but it's a commodity as gold is. It's a commodity as oil or or uh, soybeans. Um, and a key difference is no matter what, every 10 minutes, supply is released. If it's oil, the supplier could stop releasing uh, or stop drilling. But with Bitcoin, the miners control when they want to sell that Bitcoin and release it to the market. So we're discussing the supply side. Um, now, what really is going to drive the future of Bitcoin is, is also the demand side. We have to look at the demand side. And that has become healthier than ever. The fundamentals of Bitcoin is, is, is better than ever. And it's because of what's happening in the global macro. Um, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, they are, they are printing at an discretionarily, 
and recklessly, they're just printing money, um, right? So there's no certainty with with the monetary policy. It's controlled by by an individual, and and there's no certainty. Well, markets love certainty. Okay, one of the the one of the most important things about a market is certainty, and that's how you remove volatility and have efficient markets. So right now we're in a time period where there's less certainty than ever. Um, there's poor liquidity, uh, and and the economy is is presently a bit unstable. Um, so that that's creating that's really created an exceptional environment for Bitcoin, and that's why I say the fundamentals are better than ever for Bitcoin. And that's why you have um, individuals like Paul Tudor Jones, who just allocated 2% of his capital, you know, his, his fund to Bitcoin. People are going to look at this and go, what is this technology? You're telling me the monetary policy is, is, is dictated by code. There's no one who can just go in and tamper. Well, that's really interesting. I see a big issue in our, in our present financial system with the Fed being able to print with negative interest, you know, uh, the world moving towards negative interest rates. Um, but this Bitcoin technology, it has, it has a, a fixed monetary policy that's dictated by code. It has a, uh, a finite supply of 21 million coins. Um, and then there's these properties of, you know, the properties of scarcity and, and, and digital gold. So it, it the, the funds and the institutions are looking at this and they're taking it seriously now. And Paul Tudor Jones, who's one of the greatest money managers ever, has truly has truly ripped down the wall um, and taken that step forward and has allocated. And, and this is not, he's the first domino, guys. He's the first domino to fall. Fi- tra- traditional fund managers, it's, they, they act as a herd and most of them, do not want to be the first to make a move, but well, the greats will. So yeah. now that he has, you know, the question is whose attention, you know, has he captured by doing this and how long before those dominoes really start to go? Tick, 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 tick. It's, it, it's, it's coming and we see it in the price, right? That's why Bitcoin um, has been moving up in price. Uh, and also when you look at the volumes on Coinbase, you look at Square's Cash App, right? Which are fiat on ramps. Cash App continues to have uh, improved numbers, and they're accelerating. And that also that's a that's an indicator of the retail. So retail money is flowing in as well. And that's what I mean. You know, you you have to evaluate the supply side, and you have to evaluate the demand side, and both are very healthy. Um, on the demand side, institutions are coming in, and I think Paul Tudor Jones is the best signal. He's the first domino to fall. You look at what's happening with Cash App and other um, fiat on ramps uh, that provide access to retail investors to get um, exposure to Bitcoin. Those numbers are all improving. Um, so, <laughs> there you go. And and then speaking of speaking of first dominoes to fall, when you think about monetary policy, the numbers are so huge, right? three, six trillion, those numbers are so big and people think that's the end. That's not how monetary policy works. It's a process. It's not about dollar value. It's a, it's, it's a process. This is going to continue to play out over the next year or two, probably at least. You don't just turn off the faucet. You need to taper off very, very slowly 
and over an extended period of time. So we're going to be in this environment for a long time. The Fed is going to have to uh, continue supporting and, and um, the economy and the markets. So this is this is the start, guys. Um, the the printing has just begun, um, and it's going to continue. And 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 just like twenty you know twenty ten to twenty nineteen, they had to do a very very slow taper. And I anticipate a you know maybe not as long as um, twenty to you know two thousand nine to twenty nineteen, but I expect this to be a multi year um, process. With with the Fed and their monetary policy, and and um, it's it's artificial. It creates artificial environments. Um, it 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 exacerbates. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to say income inequality. I I call it net worth inequality, because what what you're doing when you print and you inject money into assets artificially, you're pushing up the value of assets, right? So they're buying corporate um, corporate loans, uh, mortgages, they're buying all those assets. So they're, it's, it's going to prop up the prices of assets. Well, who owns assets? Who participates in this value accrual? It's the people that own assets, right? So the bottom 40% do not own assets. They rent, right? They rent their house. They don't have money in the stock market, right? The, the markets have rallied significantly. It's not the bottom 40% who have 401ks and and uh, and and other and and houses and stuff, right? They're all renting, so they're not participating in this value accrual, and that's how you're getting this net worth exacerbation, um, inequality in net worth. It's the it's the rich, it's the upper middle class, it's white collar jobs who have 401ks and are contributing money to stocks, who have discretionary income, and their assets have been um, getting boosted. So that's how you get this net worth. Um, disparity. So, so this, this is this is all fascinating stuff here. Now, you you actually are a CPA and an entrepreneur. You got an uh, MS, a BS in accounting. So, how much of this how much of this stuff did you get taught in school? Because I, I'm really curious about that. Because a lot, a lot of times, it's people have self learned a lot of this stuff because they don't even teach half of this in school or more of it. Um, you know, for mining, mining is a Mining is a massive cost accounting equation. Um, you have your fixed costs, you have your variable costs, right? Um, how much am I deploying the electrical infrastructure? How much am I deploying to, to mining rigs? What are my, what's my electricity cost, which is variable, right? Every month, how much, um, how much is my electricity cost? Uh, what are my margins? So, so my accounting degree is extremely helpful for analyzing um, and getting very fine tuned with our numbers and our profits and our margins with our mining operation, um, in in regards to in regards to markets, I you know I've just been blessed. I've got exceptional mentors, um, you know Jim Ropel, Michael Stolzner, uh, those are my partners in my two funds. Um, you know I, I have blockchain opportunity fund. Jim Ropel has been mentoring me for ten years on markets. Uh, he used to run a couple hundred million for Morgan Stanley. Was able to leave um, runs. He's one of the more successful canceling uh, investors. He runs two equity hedge funds, and together we we run blockchain opportunity fund. Mike Stolzner was one of the largest market makers in the Euro dollar pits, um, and these you know these he's my partner in Blocker Mining, um, and we run we run a a large scale uh, 
self-mine and co-location facility in Kentucky. So we're providing access to U.S. miners to host their mining rigs in the U.S. Um, we have mining rigs on site that they could purchase, uh, and we're doing that all getting getting small, mid-sized, and large miners industrial or institutional um, hosting rates so that they're competitive beyond uh, beyond the having. Um, Matt, I, I noticed that we actually uh, share uh, something in common here, ILL. There you go. Yeah, I and I. I and I, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. I'm sure I was there long before you are um, <laughs> and, and glad to escape Illinois. So let's get to the inevitable question, you know, because you are so deep into this and the mathematics really do mean uh, everything, right? Because it's all math. It's all about the numbers. When you look at your own projections, you know, not being a financial advisor, unless you are one, um, you know, where do you see Bitcoin being by the end of the year, for example? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of price targets, um, but I think, I think what's important and, and what's important to communicate to people that want to participate in this is uh, you're looking at, you're, you're, you're getting involved in a disruptive technology in its infancy. Um, and, and, and the environment just continues to improve. Um, the fun, fundamentals are exceptional. And I'll give you guys some data. Bitcoin bottomed out in the fall of 2015 and it, when it broke above its 200-day moving average, it stayed above its 200-day moving average until December of 2017. That is an exceptional trend. It's one of the most powerful trends you could see. So if you bought with it crossing above its 200-day and you just held, it stayed above the 200-day for that whole time period. It was like 800 days. So it... it when it's very rare you get an asset that follows trend that well. Um, we believe that the opportunity in a, dis, in a disruptive technology like this is to try and get a low cost basis and, and ride the cycle. You know, we believe that we're in a new bull market. Um, it's extremely volatile, so I would not try day trading it because if you miss that 20 or 30% move that it frequently has, do you, do you pay up and chase it? And then if it pulls back, do you stop out? How do you manage that? Um, so we think we think it's best to, um, once trend is positive, once you're in an uptrend, which we presently are, uh, you, we think the big opportunity is in the sitting, not the trading. Um, we think people that are day trading are gonna miss some large moves and you wanna get in, have a low cost basis, a comfortable cost basis. And once you get that, the big money is gonna be made in the sitting. Um, and, and as I said, it's really about cycles. Um, these cycles are typically potentially, you know, 18 to 36 months. So if you can capture two thirds of the cycle, you've, you've hit a, you've hit a grand slam. Um, okay. It's a, it's a good politically correct, um, answer, right? It basically what you're saying is, Hey, things look good. So let's not put it on you. Let's put it on Tim Draper. Tim Draper says by the beginning of 2023, we'll see quarter million dollar Bitcoin. Do you agree? Uh, well, here's what I'll tell you. I think I think if Bitcoin gets gets above about 13,800, um, you know, I think once Bitcoin gets above 10,500, we've really started a new channel. 
Um, and I think it'll probably stay above 10,000. So if we get above 10,500, I think we stay above 10,000 and we're in a new range. Um, I think after that, if we get through 13,800, which was the June 2019 highs, um, we're likely off to off to test all time highs, which is 20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once we break out of 20,000, a market doesn't sit there. A market gets aggressive and, and, and the momentum really carries it. So I could easily see, uh, you know, when a market hits new highs and hits, has that breakout and you're in a bull market, it's very reasonable to expect at least three to five X, um, especially with crypto and stuff that's in its infancy. Even equity markets. If if you're a if you're a stock like Zoom or or Cloudflare or Shopify or Tesla, when they break out into new highs, 100 to 300 percent, you know, 200 to 500 percent over the course of 18 months is normal. So so Bitcoin, it's totally in that camp and likely more. So I think I think you look at it as prerequisites. Let's get through 10,500. If we get through there, I think we're in a new channel um, and 10,000 becomes a floor. Um, once we break through 13,800, those June um, 2019 highs, we move on to all-time highs. And once we break out all-time highs, the momentum's gonna take over and we could see you know, potentially 50,000 to, to 90,000. Mm. Um, that's kind of my, my roadmap and how I approach it. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta get to first base before you can get to home base, right? That's true. So, what do you th- I want to know what you think about this, and Joel hasn't heard this either, but I just got a whale alert tweet on Twitter that forty Bitcoin, which is approximately four hundred thousand dollars right now, has been transferred from possibly a Satoshi owned wallet that's been dormant since two thousand nine. Uh, these coins in this transaction were minted in the very first month of Bitcoin's existence. So I find that. That's some interesting, not a real question there, but maybe Satoshi has been with us the whole time or maybe Craig Wright finally got access. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, I, I love that, uh, that Twitter account, um, the transfers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I hope definitely. Old school Bitcoin is moving now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, did they say it, where did it move to? Just a, another private wallet? Well, it's it's a, it's one of the original wallets, right? It mm-hmm. that was mined on February 9th, two thousand nine, right? It was fifty Bitcoin, um, and and forty was inactive, and ten have been sent to this multi sig address, and so all we know is if it's from February two thousand nine, that's just one month after Bitcoin was created. So do you think that Bitcoin is going to be the currency or is Bitcoin going to be the store of wealth, digital gold, and that there will be other cryptos that we settle on that are faster and uh, more for day-to-day transactions? You know, I, there's, I don't put limitations on, on, uh, on Bitcoin. I, anything's achievable, especially with the exceptional devs. But I think right now the use case is absolutely digital gold. Um, you know, I, I think I think there's uh, exceptional technology being built with with the Lightning Network, and and that has its potential. But as of right now, um, I believe it's digital gold, and that's what the market's pricing it as uh, and treating it as. You know, I think I think about sixty percent of of wallets, the the Bitcoin hasn't moved, right? 
So, so what does that kind of symbolize, right? That's more gold. When you buy gold, you're not moving it around. It sits in a vault and, and you forget about it for a couple of years, right? Or five years or 10 years or, or forever, right? Um, so when you buy Bitcoin and, and you're keeping it on your private wallet and you're storing it and you want it for the long term, that's more properties of, of store of value. That's more properties of digital gold. Um, and, and I believe, uh, you know, I haven't looked at the updated numbers in, in, in a bit, but the last ones I saw, it was around 60, 65% um, was, was really being hodled. So I think that's the best indication. So as we wrap this thing up here, you know, what does the future look like for miners and what are some of the things that maybe they should be aware of or, 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 or people should know? Uh, you know, I think the miners should be very optimistic. Um, it's it's a luxury to deploy today because they're going to get involved in the newest, most efficient technology. Um, so they're at a leg up. Um, to deploy today is is a is a significant opportunity. Um, hosting rates are low, and and they're going to get into the in the new efficient mining rigs that are just getting released, and they're early in the upgrade hard, the hardware upgrade cycle. So they'll be able to mine. Um, profitably for for the for the next three or four years because it's really about being more competitive than your peers. Noise. Check out Matt's site at BlockwareSolutions.com. We'll have links to all his socials and and uh, some articles that he was featured in in the show notes. Matt D'Souza, Blockware Solutions, buddy. Thanks for joining us and bringing the knowledge. Thank you, guys. It was a blast. So, Mr. Joel Kahn, I, I took a look at the latest MobiPay marketing deck last night, and they're doing some really interesting stuff moving into the gaming space. So, there's going to be some really cool stuff that's going on with, with MobiPay. They got some deal going on with Wax. There's some other stuff going on. So, the universal payment ecosystem that lets consumers make secure fiat and digital cur- uh, currency payments has just gotten better. You can do it from your mobile phone. And so you're going to want to check it out, mobipay.io. Go there now. You can get your $10 in MBX tokens if you have not done that already. And why have you not done that already? I think, Travis, you know, as, as advisors to MobiPay, we could probably advise them and give them a new tagline based on that. MobiPay, you can do it anywhere. You can do it anywhere. <laughs> you're free to do it anywhere. Why don't we do it in the room? That's funny. I was just thinking of that same. Why don't we song. do it in the You know, that song right there, uh, John Lennon uh, did not write that song. Paul McCartney wrote that song, but John Lennon really loved that song and was very mad at Paul McCartney because he did not. Paul McCartney went in the studio and recorded that thing all by himself. And John <laughs> wanted to be part of that one because he thought that song was so hilarious. It is a great song, classic Beatles, and now I will add that to the uh, the Bad Crypto Spotify playlist right now. I, no I always one do will it. be watching us. Why don't we do it in the room? Good stuff. I, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because I've just been going back to Paul McCartney's solo catalog, and I just listened to his Flaming Pie um, album from 1997. Yeah, I remember that one. He's got a lot of really great stuff. You know what? what's really cool that I did is I on Spotify, I went in and grabbed every Beatles um, uh, single record. The first one, I made a couple playlists. This one's really cool to do. 
is go in and grab each one of the Beatles records that they made right after the Beatles, because that one's pretty much kind of like it's they're pretty Beatlesy. But then I made another playlist that has all their albums that they did it, that they created outside of the Beatles, and they just made this huge, amazing playlist, including. And I tell you, you're going to hear songs you've never heard before that are amazing that you've just never stumbled across on because they just never made it popular, but they're still great songs on these obscure albums. Including Ringo. Yeah. Oh, well, I actually, no, I did three. I did three playlists. One that has, well, the one playlist that has all the bands, music, the first album after. Then I made one that has just Paul, John, and George's. And then I did one with all of them because Ringo really kind of brings it down. Ringo... Ringo's a great drummer, not a great songwriter. Well, he did he did some good pop songs. I mean, we wouldn't have Octopus's Garden without Ringo. Oh, that's Ringo. a good song when he was you with know? the Beatles, right? But then yeah. a lot of the Beatles were helping him write those. But there's just a, a distinct difference when you're listening to the songs and then a Ringo song pops on. It's just, I just like to have the George, uh, Paul, and John uh, playlist and then add another one that has all Ringo's in it too. Well, like with photographs. I'm a Ringoist. I mean, you know, you could not get away today with uh, writing a song like You're 16. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is it, that's a grown adult saying, you come on like a dream, peaches and cream, lips like strawberry wine. <laughs> you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of creepy when he's 70 and singing that on stage. <laughs> hey, gang, thanks for listening to the show. We are, as of this recording, 13 days out from the blockchain heroes launch uh the decks of physical cards sold out completely and travis this morning i saw that one of the limited edition super miles cards that we made in conjunction with upland there was only 25 of those that were made people competed for them one sold on the secondary market for what was it 1060 dollars something like that 20 something thousand wax which at this point right now is $1,069. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So the thousand dollars for yeah. uh, an NFT, that's the digital collect. Oh, well, I mean, there was one and we, we co we'll cover this on the, uh, the nifty show, uh, this coming Friday, more in depth, but a NFT just sold on nifty gateway via auction for 55,000. $555.55. Somebody likes fives. Yeah, a whole lot like, of Give fives. me five since we can't, since it's the COVID era and I can't actually have a five. Give me five. Give me lots of fives. Give me seven fives. I'll give you all the fives you need as long as you promise me, Mr. Travis Wright, that you will stay back. Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.